Good morning, Spring Branch. Good to see you all here today. Welcome to the fourth part of our series, Fruit of the Spirit, as Lindsay prayed. Today, we're talking about patience, and I'm sure you couldn't wait to hear the message today. Uh, By the way, don't pray for patience, because God will give you opportunities to be patient during the week. And when you're preparing a message on patience, watch out. It seemed like I got in all the long lines at stoplights this week, all the long lines at grocery stores. God was testing me every day. Uh, It was crazy. But uh, the past few weeks have been just really fun. Uh, Obviously, you know, we're a little more up close and personal. I'm I'm up here, not up there. So, you know, we're inviting uh, some of you to come up front at the end of my messages to share a little bit. We'll hear from my good friend, uh, Sammy, in in a little bit. But we've got uh, a great message today about patience, about patience. The last few weeks, we talked about love and joy and peace. We talked about how God's agape love for us is just this unconditional, never-breaking, never-stopping love, and it's just amazing, and that fills us with joy, right? Joy is a response to that love, and we can share that joy with others, and um, because of that joy, we can live in peace. We have peace with God because we're forgiven, and we can be filled with the peace of God, and we can make peace in our relationships. And so today, we're talking about patience. Galatians 5.22 is kind of our anchor passage for this series. Let's read it together. But the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says to the church in Galatia, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Just testing your patience there. Uh, sorry. I humor myself. Uh, kindness, start talking, say something. I can't wait. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, this word fruit in the Greek is karpos. We talked about how it's a singular meaning there. It's not nine different fruit. It's all one fruit. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit in our lives. We cannot tight grip the steering wheel and sweat it out and, okay, I've got more kindness. I've got more peace. No, God produces the fruit in our lives. Our job is is to plant seeds of faith instead of seeds of fear. Remember, we wanna choose to live God's way instead of our way. And it's not so much what decisions we make, it's who we're becoming, right? It's who we're becoming along the way. Are you a patient person? Do you have the fruit of patience in your life? That's the question today. Do you have the fruit of patience in your life? Uh, This past week, uh, like I said, there were a few moments where I did not have uh, patience. Um, uh, I was parking my car at the ocean front. Maybe you've been there. Uh, I was parking my car at the ocean front. I'm so excited to see what was going on on the beach with all the Spring Branch students that were loving on these underprivileged uh, kids from a nearby community who never get a chance to enjoy the beach. It's called CSSM. It's awesome. They do it every summer. So I was so excited to get out there and see all that God was doing. In the process, I could not park my car. And to be honest, I've had my car towed before. Uh, that was years ago. I've, I've since learned from my mistakes. Um, so I'm parking my car on this curb near the ocean front. And in the process of trying to pay for this space, I kept swiping my car, kept swiping it, swiping it. And it said, uh, it said not accepted, not accepted, not accepted, not accepted. And I, it wouldn't accept cash. So, of course, I only had like, two pennies to my name in my car, 
Uh, and so I tried, you know, my three or four different credit cards. I'm standing there for like 15, 20 minutes in the blazing 90 degree heat, just sweating bullets. I'm getting frustrated. I'm losing my religion. I mean, who's thankful that God died for our thoughts too, you know, because some of the thoughts I was having, man. Uh, so, you know, I looked at the back of my car. I saw my, my, my golf clubs. And I'm imagining taking my four iron and just letting that parking meter know what's up, but didn't do that. Um, so <clears throat> a car pulled up, and I'm just fuming, boiling over with anger and frustration. This car pulled up, and these two people jump out of the car, all smiling and joyful and happy without a care in the world. A couple people from Spring Branch, <laughs> nevertheless. Uh, Mike and Heather showed up uh, just the right time with just the right amount of change in their car to pay for my space and theirs. But it took everything within me to keep my composure. They asked me, hey, Heath, how's it going? Beautiful day, isn't it? So excited to see what's going on the beach. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's great. So good, so good. Uh, just lost my religion, and I'm your pastor, and this is embarrassing. But uh, how many of you can relate to those moments? You're sitting in traffic. There's a car in front of you. The, the red light turns green, and you're just holding your breath like, how long is it going to take for this person to put the pedal to the metal? I'm not going to honk, I'm not going to honk. Okay, honk, right? We're in the line at the coffee shop, the grocery store. We have those moments where we just boil over with anger, and it feels like, feels like we just lost you know, our religion and every ounce of patience that we ever had. If our life is like a parking meter, if our life is like a parking meter, are you running out of patience? How much patience is left? <laughs> How much patience is left in your meter? I don't know about you, but it feels like I'm constantly running out, fresh out of patience. Maybe it's within a relationship. Uh, maybe it's within a circumstance in life. This feels like I'm just on empty on the side of the road without patience. So the question is, how can we have more patience? Is it possible to have patience in a culture of impatience? We live in a culture of shortcuts, don't we? We live in a culture with uh, an incredible computer in our hands that can do all kinds of things at, a, at the drop of a hat, the blink of an eye, Instagram, uh, Amazon Prime, Burger King, you can have it your way right away. I mean, we live in this drive-through culture and we can live life in the fast lane and get so much done in so little time. So we're kind of enabled, right? We're kind of enabled with this sense of, I gotta have it. I gotta have it according to my timetable. And God, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I've got an agenda. I've got some deadlines here. And so all of a sudden, we start treating God as this Amazon Prime type God. It's like, God, you know, I realize you have your master calendar, you have this big picture in mind, yada, 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 but I've got my watch and it says that I need this by the weekend. So if you could just, you know, chop, chop, that'd be great. And God's like, whoa, wait a second. I'm your heavenly father, I know what's best for you. Are you living according to my timetable or your timetable? The impatience comes when we're living according to our timetable as opposed to God's. So is it possible to have patience in a culture of impatience? I believe that there's three keys here. There's three uh, keys to understanding patience and how we can have a posture of patience in our lives. The first is this, patience is a payment. Patience is a payment. 
to prepare us for the future. Patience is a payment to prepare us for the promise that God has for us. Keith, what do you mean by payment? Patience is a payment. Patience hurts, right? And there are some things in our lives, we make a payment, it's like, I'm so excited to make this payment, and got a, you know, great things on the other end, and there are other things, you know, making payments, it's like, ah, I, I have to do that, right? This is a kind of a payment that's, that's good. It hurts a little bit, but it's good because God has a promise up his sleeve around the corner. We make payments for, um, like my son saving money for a kayak. We make, we, we make payments for a car, for college. Those are exciting things around the corner. We have this, this dream ahead of us, and we're making payments along the way. We make payments along the way for retirement, for a new house, right? These little payments along the way where we can't rush into things, we have to be faithful with the process and choose patience. These little moments of payments along the way that will create a promise down the road if we're faithful, right? Patience is a payment. It's like, all right, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna rush into this. I'm not gonna take things in my own hands. I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna make a little payment, make a little payment, trust the process, trust God's promise. And it's part of the process to realizing the promise down the road, like saving money. Or it's like working out. This past week, I worked out for the first time in a couple weeks. It was painful, let me tell you. And I had three or four looks from people while I was working out that was like, are you okay? Just thumbs up, are you okay? I had this like grimace on my face the whole time like I was giving birth or something. Just this like constant look of pain on my face. And there are people like looking at me like, hey, do you need a spot? Are you okay? Are you still breathing? I had this like constant look of pain on my face. But, you know, I was driving away thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it's kind of like working out, kind of like exercising. There's a promise down the road of physical health, right? But along the way, you kind of have to experience a little bit of pain. You have to be patient with the process in order to get to the promise. My kids love to snack. They love a snack, and they just can't wait for dinner. I'm telling them, you're going to miss out on the nourishment of the meal. You're going to miss, miss out on what's good for you because you're, because you're taking things in your own hands. You're munching on snacks, and you're missing out on the nourishment, the promise that your, your father has for you. Many of us are settling for the crumbs, and we're rushing into the, the process, trying to shortcut to the promise, and we're forfeiting the future that God has for us. We're sabotaging it because of our anxiety and we, we, we choose worry over trusting in God. The word patience in the Greek in Galatians 5, it is long-suffering. <laughs> Pretty much hits the nail on the head, right? Long-suffering in that line. Long-suffering with that relationship. Long-suffering in your finances. Long-suffering in your job. Long-suffering in that health situation you have. Long suffering. The word is macrothumia. The word macro, you know, is the opposite of micro, right? So we get those words. Macro is big. It's long, large, right? Long, long suffering. The word thumia means suffering or anger or passion. So really it means long anger. In fact, you've heard the phrase in the Old Testament, slow to anger. 
God is slow to anger. Who's thankful for that today? God is slow to anger towards us. But that phrase literally means long-nosed. Did you know that God has a long nose? I don't know, when you picture God, you picture him with a long nose. He's long-nosed. What's that mean? Uh, in, in the Hebrew culture back then, the longer it took for your nose to get red, the more patient you were, right? Sometimes when we get impatient, our nose quickly turns red and we fume and we, we're short-tempered, right? But the longer it takes for your nose to get red, the more patient you are. You are long-nosed. You're slow to anger, right? Interesting. Long-nosed, patient, slow to anger. A huge part of this is a perspective, right? We make payments along the way because we trust the future that God has for us. I've only lived 40 years. There you have it. Now you know how old I am. How old are you? You don't tell me, but you've lived X amount of years. Guess what? God has lived for eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm going to trust God with my future. I'm going to trust God with my future. How often do we just take things in our own hands and trust ourselves? God's been around for eternity. I'm going to trust him with the future. Corey Tenboom, author, she says, never be afraid to trust a known God with an unknown future. How many of you have had a setback in your life? A setback is a chance to look back and see what God has already done. In order to know what God's gonna do, remember what God's already done. God has personalized himself through Jesus and he has allowed us to get to know him. Unlike every other religion, we have a personal, accessible, available, relational God who looks us in the eye and we can talk to him and spend time with him. We can know him. So let's trust our unknown future to this known God. So anything that comes along the way that tests your faith, you have an opportunity to choose patience over impatience. You have an opportunity to choose faith over fear. Trust God with your future. Continue to press on. Choose endurance, patience, perseverance. Even when you've prayed for something and you've had no breakthrough or no provision according to your timetable, God has the master calendar because he is the master. Let's stop going by our watch and trust a God who has the whole picture in mind. He knows what's best for his kids. Joseph, I love the story in the Bible. How many of you remember the story of Joseph? He was given favor by his by his dad in the form of a technicolor dream coat, a coat of many colors. And he had these older brothers who just loathed him. They hated him to the point of trying to kill him. But God had given Joseph through some dreams a promise of a future, a future of leadership, a future of influence. And Joseph was pumped. He was fired up. He was, he was excited. Some of us have been given a dream. Some of us have been given a, fu- a, a future through a vision or through a word from somebody else or through just a passion that we have. And Joseph chose to not forfeit his future because of impatience. He chose to be patient and trust the process, even though the fine print was, hey, Joseph, if you read closely, you, uh, you gotta, you're gonna be betrayed by your brothers. You're gonna be thrown into a deep, dark pit and left for dead. 
By the way, you're going to be sold into slavery. By the way, you're going to be wrongly accused of a crime. You're going to be thrown into prison and feel very alone, very abandoned, very isolated and forgotten. What was Joseph's story? He chose to be better instead of bitter. He chose to allow his mess to be a message, his test to be a testimony. And he took a step every day and he chose to live God's way instead of his way. He chose to plant seeds of faith instead of seeds of fear. And he lived out the destiny that God had for him. And there he was, Pharaoh's right-hand man, uh, saving food and saving many people's lives through his faithfulness. He didn't forfeit his future because of fret or anxiety. He chose to be patient and trust God with the process. He chose to make payments along the way and have a long perspective. That was Joseph. Then you had Noah, right? I I love that story. Noah pretty much started the whole zoo. It was incredible. God was uh, just ticked off about the rebellion of the people, but God saw Noah's faithfulness. And and so Noah's assignment was like 50, 7,500 years. Scholars aren't really sure, but it took a long, long time to build that boat. If you read the dimensions, that boat was huge. I'm sure he was mocked and ridiculed and just... uh, just made fun of all along the way, but he stayed faithful to his dream that God had given him. He didn't compromise the promise that God had given him. He made payments along the way. I love the story of Saul, King Saul in the Bible. I don't know if you know this, Saul gets a bad rap, but he started off just on fire for God. He was anointed by God to be the next king of Israel, and king of Israel he was for years and was, was obeying God, glorifying God. And then he had a few moments of rebellion, one in particular, the Philistines were surrounding he uh, and, and the Israelite army, and he chose to take things in his own hands. He rushed the process. And God disciplined him. The promise was repoed. <laughs> the promise for Saul was repossessed. He sabotaged it because of his rebellion. How many of us are guilty of that? When God's hand selected David, and then even David had to wait 13 years, but David was faithful. He was a man after God's heart, and David became king of Israel. So many examples throughout the scriptures. Are you living a life of patience? What is the promise that God has given you, and what are the payments that you can make each day to make sure that you don't miss out on that? You don't miss out on all that God wants to give you. Jeremiah 29 11, we all can probably say it in our sleep if you've been around church for a long time. Let's all say it together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Fill in your name. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Trust your unknown future to a known God. He's got your back. He's with you in your health situation, in your finances, in your employment, in your relationships. Suffer longer. Suffer a little bit longer. Be faithful. Why? Because God has suffered long for us. This is the heart of the whole message, and this is the second key, the second truth. Um, This is really the crux of the whole message, is that Jesus... Jesus wants to give us a heart of patience. See, patience is a posture of the heart. 
It's not outside in. It's not us tight gripping the wheel and trying to figure out some kind of formula where we can be more patient. It's not walking out of here today and saying, all right, he said be more patient. I'm going to be more patient. I want to take a deep breath every time, which is not a bad idea. Count of 10. By the way, Thomas Jefferson, his quote was, count, if you're angry, count to 10. If you're very angry, count to 100. Try that. It's helpful. Mark Twain, a few years later, tweaked it, and he said, if you're angry, count to four. If you're very angry, just swear. So don't do that. Uh, But take a deep breath. Maybe count to four, 10, 100. But we can try all kinds of things, but the reality is it's an inside-out transformation. The more we can wait on God, the more we can wait on others in circumstances. The extent that we wait on the Lord is the extent that is the capacity that we'll have to, re, to wait on others. Are you with me? The longer you wait patiently for the Lord in your own quiet time, the longer we can suffer and make those payments and trust the process as we wait for that situation or that relationship to be where it needs to be. There's a direct correlation there. How often do you spend time with God? Or is it more of a drive-by thing? Have you treated God like Amazon Prime, right? All right, God, I got five minutes here. Real quick, give me a word. If not, I'm out of here. I got a checklist. I got an agenda. I got a to-do list. Be efficient. Live life to the fullest. It's okay to be busy, but don't be too much in a hurry to wait on the Lord. This is the heart of this whole message, people. Don't get swept up in the busyness and craziness and hectic culture that we live in where you're too too busy, too much in a hurry to spend time with your creator. Your creator is waiting for you. He's waiting patiently for you. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. He doesn't have all this punishment, all this condemnation stored up for you. He has grace and love and joy and peace waiting for you. If only we just pause and are still and are quiet and allow him to speak to us and work in our lives and produce this fruit in our lives. Download the YouVersion app on your phone. Wake up earlier. Don't just pray before meals, but just quiet yourself before the Lord and allow him to speak to you and work in your lives. That's the most productive, efficient efficient thing we can do in any given day. Don't let the world convince you otherwise. The psalmist David says in Psalm 40, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. God has suffered long for you and for me. How much more can we suffer long and be patient towards others, whether it's our kids or our spouses or our coworkers or our, uh, our neighbor? It'd be one thing if we live life on an island, isolated from everybody else, but we live life in relationship, even if you're introverted and like to be alone a lot. We still cross paths with people. The question that, that Bob Goff asks us in his book, Everybody Always, is uh, it, it, it's a question we should ask others in our lives. How is my life working for you? 
How is my impatience working for you? Allow a loved one, allow somebody who's in your life a lot to answer that question. How's my life working for you? Because I go about my life and maybe I'm not aware of something, but they might say, well, you're kind of impatient sometimes and it kind of rubs off on me and it doesn't taste good. How is my life working for you? Ask somebody else that question because we're in relationship with others. And the more we wait on God, the more we'll be willing to wait on others in other situations. God of mercy has been patient towards us even when because of our choices we rebelled and turned our back on him and went the other direction. Even because our hearts are full of greed and lust and envy. Even because we, broke, we break promises and I'm thankful for a wife who has stood by me for 16 years now. She's had plenty of chances to throw in the towel, but we made a vow before the Lord on June 14, 2003, and she made a commitment. We made a commitment to each other through thick and thin, through highs and lows, through sickness and in health, through broken promises. We made a covenant before God to stand with each other and stand for each other and to fight for each other. And she has suffered long with me and I've suffered long with her. I don't mean that to sound like a bad thing. Because love is patient, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. It keeps no record of wrong. Are you suffering long with others? Are you patient towards others just as our merciful, gracious God has been patient with us? Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. In those moments of impatience, just pray. Pray. Just, just say, God, help me. That's where the heart of prayer is, just God, help. Help me. Help me. Help me be slow to anger, quick to listen, slow to speak. Help me expect the best in others instead of the others getting the best of me. Patience is power, really. Patience is taking control. Patience is saying, you know what? I'm not gonna allow the situation or this relationship to get the best of me. I'm gonna choose the best in others. I'm gonna expect the best in others. I'm gonna keep the big picture in mind. It's, patience is really a perspective. It's a larger perspective. It's trusting that, you know what? God's got something bigger planned here. I'm not gonna get caught up in this petty moment right here, this small moment. I'm gonna keep the grand scheme in mind even in the midst of the small scenes. Go on a mission trip. Go serve uh, in an underprivileged, under-resourced area. We have some kids that just got back from Jeremiah Project. I'm sure if you were to ask them, hey, what'd you learn this past week? They would say, man, uh, I've learned that I'm so blessed. I've been to Ethiopia. I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to other places. Whatever it takes for you to get a perspective. It's like, man, God, I have so much to be thankful for. When you're waiting in line at a grocery store, which is grocery stores in every single corner in this culture, you're waiting in line for clean water or for, uh, for food, man, just be thankful. If you have moments of impatience, just be thankful, rejoice. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying and have a larger perspective. Don't get caught up in petty things. Keep the big picture, the big scene in mind. Patience is a payment to prepare us for the promise 
Patience is a posture of the heart. It's inside out. It's a transformation, spending time with Jesus would become like Jesus. And finally, patience is a picture of Jesus. Patience is a picture of Jesus. When you're waiting in that line or when you have some kind of affliction in your life, and when other people see a patience in you, you're a bright light shining in darkness. You're living a, a life that demands an explanation. People are like, man, why aren't you just freaking out? Why aren't you just taking things into your own hands here? And you have an opportunity to share a message. You have an opportunity to paint a clear picture of Jesus, who is the epitome of patience. When you're in that long line, when you're in that relationship, when you're in that health situation, that financial crisis, yes, it's hard, yes, it's a struggle, but God can produce within you a patience that says, you know what, I'm gonna trust a known God with my unknown future. Patience, patience. As a father, I want my kids to have a perfect patience in their life. And when they see me giving up halfway through, when they see me throwing in the towel and not making payments of patience, when they may see me getting flustered and frustrated and fretting and worrying over having faith, then they'll grow up. See, I'm raising adults, not kids. They'll grow up and throw in the towel halfway through. And they'll forfeit their, the future that God has for them. So we have an opportunity to paint a picture of Jesus to those around us, be a witness to those around us. Speaking of that, who are you surrounding yourself with? 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You are who you hang out with. You are what you eat. If you wanna see your future, see the people who you're hanging out with. Look at your friends. At the same time, you have an opportunity to set the temperature. You're a thermostat in your relationship in your marriage, in your household, at your workspace, you're a thermostat. You can set the temperature. So when you choose patience, it raises the bar around you. It's contagious. That patience starts rubbing off on people around you. And it creates this culture of just trusting God, being patient, not reacting, but responding. Responding in love and joy and peace. The last few weeks, you've noticed a trend. We've invited some, some, some folks, some of you, members of the, of the Spring Branch family up here uh, to share what a particular fruit means to you, how you've seen it play out in your life. And so this morning, we have the privilege of hearing from one of my good friends, Sammy Donnelly. Come on up, Sammy. Give it up for Sammy. <laughs> Sammy and Blake. Uh, and they're three girls uh, we've gotten to know as, as a family, and they've just been such a blessing to us and some of our, some of our good friends so far here in Virginia Beach. So when it comes to the topic of patience, just knowing your story, Sam, and I appreciate you coming up here and sharing. Um, when it comes to patience, I've seen God um, uh, provide that for you in, in your own life and just hearing your journey. Um, I think we all can be encouraged by, by who God is in, in your story. So just take us back a little bit, share a little, a little bit of your journey if you would. Uh, some of the struggles, some of the challenges, and just how God has brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Um, oh, glory to God. God <laughs> is good. He's faithful. Um, so for me, patience is learned, and it was learned in the quiet place and spending time with God, like what he has been talking about. 
And in that, you know, you, you gain hope in Christ. And so that was key for me for the eight, first eight years of our marriage. Uh, we just celebrated nine years, July 2nd. Woo, praise God. And um, so the first eight years, we got pregnant in high school and then at 18 years old and got married, sorry, got married um, and kind of off to a rough start. And Blake didn't really know what it looked like to have a relationship with God. So if you know his testimony, he's got an amazing testimony with what God's done in his life. Um, but for a while there, he ran away from God. He ran away from our family. And uh, so through that time, like all I had was my relationship with Christ. Um, and so through that, you know, we spent eight years basically not living together. There was a lot of separation through military and just personal choices and um, eight years of kind of being a single parent. And, um, you know, through the roughest moments of all that, um, <laughs> I just remember being on my hands and knees, crying out to the Lord, like, why me? Why am I going through this? And, you know, God just spoke to me in those times and was like, we've all played a harlot in our relationship with God, and all the sin is the same to him, and he paid that price for us. And so, you know, I felt like he told me to stay in it and, and keep going forward, and um, through that, he really turned our ashes into something beautiful, and uh, through that, um, <laughs> Blake ended up, uh, and our, and right before he um, basically had his world crumbling down around him, he went into rehab because uh, he just kind of got himself lost in alcohol and drugs and lust and chasing after the things of the world. And um, right before that, he was telling me he wanted uh, to get a divorce. And I remember God giving me like a, a vision and he was cutting off the old covenant and that relationship and what it looked like. And he was going to give us a new covenant in him and a new relationship. And I'm just so thankful for my family's support and love and training me up in prayer and spiritual warfare. Um, because if you want to wreak havoc on hell, get a prayer life. <laughs> and through that, God can use you in your prayers. And so through that, um, you know, they were able to really share grace with my husband. And so he went to rehab, and I had to be in a place of like, okay, God, like, you've promised me these things, but he wants a divorce, so here I am. Um, I accept, like, I trust in you with, with my future, and that was really hard to do. I was like, here's my heart, finally, after eight years, like, have your way, like, whatever that looks like. If that means I'm a single mom of three girls, then you're gonna provide. Um, and two days later, out of rehab, he called me, he gave his life to Jesus, praise God. <laughs> Yeah, praise God. And he was like, I need to see you. So I went and saw him, and his countenance was completely changed, and you could just see God, God's hand in his life. And since then, we were able to um, invite the Holy Spirit into our marriage, into our family, and he's completely reconciled everything, all the brokenness, all the pain and the sorrow. God has just blessed it and taken it and healed us. And that's because we've invited him in, and, and there's just unity now, like I never experienced before. All I wanted was a husband, and I got way more than I could have ever asked for. We get to share our testimony with people all the time, 
and just to see God moving in our lives. We work together now. <laughs> um, we officially got out of the Navy on Thursday, and so that identity that he had and in, in being a Navy SEAL, God's completely restored just being a man of God. Like, through that time, God was able to give me the ability to see him for who he was in Christ because that's how he sees us. He sees us as that perfect, um, sinless mm. person that he paid for, mm. that son and daughter of God. So mm. that was really key for me to be able to believe in him and say, no, I see who God sees in you, and you're going to come out of this. Um, and yeah, now he is. Now he's the son of God, and he walks in it every day, and it's amazing to see him touch other people's lives yeah. and work with him. And yeah. so just glory to God, patience, it's, it pays off. Go through the fire and come yeah. out stronger. Glory to God, glory to God. Wow. Thank you for sharing. It's a powerful story, and um, uh, early this morning, we just pray together, and, and really, we say all glory to God. It really is all glory to God, you know. Uh, without him, all that would not have been possible. So thank you for sharing that. And First Timothy 1.16, I'm reminded through your story, uh, Paul says, but I received mercy for this reason. Should be up there on the screen. That in me, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Sammy, your, your patience was a picture of Jesus uh, to Blake and to your kids. And it's an ongoing picture to those who you cross paths with. And our patience can be a picture of Jesus to those around us. Because we received mercy while we were sinners and enemies of God, while we turned our back on God, while we are liars and cheaters, full of lust and greed. Rebellious children, God pursued us in love and grace. He suffered long for us, ultimately laying down his life for us on the cross. The fullest extent of his love and suffering, suffocating under his own weight on the cross, bleeding to death. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he willingly laid down his life for us. Perfect patience. Through Jesus, he spent 30 years of faithfulness, a process, trusting God's future, the promise that God had for him, for us. Three years of ministry, three hours on the cross, and he paid the ultimate payment. He paid the ultimate price, didn't he? For you and for me, so that we could experience the ultimate promise. We may not ever get that thing that we're excited about in this life, on this side of heaven. We may not ever experience that dream that we have here on earth. But you know what God does promise? He promises, he promises that he's with us. He promises that we will become more and more like his son Jesus, and that's the best thing possible, is that through those moments of faithfulness, those payments along the way, we can become more and more like Jesus, and there's nothing better than that. And we can be a picture of him to people around us. Some of you may not have ever received the gift of salvation, the gift of the love of Jesus in your life. Maybe you did a long time ago. Maybe you need to recommit today. 
Maybe you need to receive this gift for the first time today. I want you to have the opportunity right now. July 14, 2019, don't wait another day. Right here in this moment, you can say this prayer with me. If you wanna have the perfect patience of Jesus in your life, his love, his joy, and his peace, pray this prayer with me right now. God, thank you. Thank you for your long suffering towards me. God, you didn't have to stand with me. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. But God, through your love, God, you, you have you've reached out to me and you've picked me up time and time again and you've dusted me off and called me your son and your daughter and your child. God, thank you for being patient with me. I don't deserve it. Thank you for suffering long with me. I believe, God, that you laid down your life for me on the cross. You paid the ultimate payment on the cross, the ultimate price, giving up your own life. And because of that, all my sins are forgiven. God, thank you. I wanna live my whole life for you. I wanna wait on you every day. I wanna wait on you and your word. I wanna be patient with others. I wanna be patient with my affliction. I wanna be patient with the process. I don't wanna forfeit the future. I don't wanna sabotage it, God. I wanna trust you and make payments of patience every day. So God, I admit that I have sinned. I believe in you and I commit my life to following you, God and being a picture of your patience to others. And the reality is, if you prayed this prayer for the first time today, the Bible says if, if you believe in your heart that you've sinned, you believe in your heart that you have been saved by Jesus on the cross, you become a child. And you're saved, you're rescued, you're delivered from your sin once and for all, and you can experience eternity with Jesus in heaven. You can have the confidence every day that no matter what happens, and we will stumble, we will fall. We'll have moments of impatience, but no matter what happens, God loves you and forgives you and gives you a clean slate. And you've got the confidence of eternity. You have that hope in your heart. A room this size, I know there's people here this morning that have never received that gift. And just want you to receive that gift this morning with open arms and open heart. It's a game changer. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for uh, this moment of offering. I thank you for this moment of giving you a, a, a financial gift. I pray that this, this offering right now would not just be monetary. Lord, we would give our hearts, that we would see it as a payment. We would see it as a payment to realize the promise that, that you have for us as individuals, as families, and as Spring Branch. So as we give a, a financial gift this morning, God, I pray that you would take this gift and use it for your glory and your promise. Do something in our hearts, God, as we give. May we release control of what you have given us. 
and we give it back to you, the rightful owner. We love you and uh, we thank you for taking those gifts and using them for your 